Hello, this is Michael Zuber, and I wanted to thank you for choosing to spend a little time with One Rental at a Time. My life's mission is to help investors close 1 million rental properties. In order to tackle this crazy goal, I will need your help. If you like this episode or any of the content we produce, please share it on social media. If you get one of my books or perhaps one of our 500 cards, please take a selfie and tag One Rental at a Time. Now on with the show. Well, folks, it is that time. We all knew this day was coming. We have uh, the lumberjack here, and he's got some news. All righty, buddy. Lay it on us. Let us know what's going on, because uh, it's been a while coming. It has. It has. And oh, thanks for yours, and especially Dion's support uh, in this endeavor. The Pink Panther. The Pink couple Panther. of jerks. Um, I'm retired. I'm officially retired. I, uh, yeah, my, I, I retired on, uh, Thursday, um, my official last day as, and I did plan it this way. My official last day is, uh, Valentine's day. This is my present to myself. Oh, no one you love more than yourself. There you go. <laughs> yes. Something like that. Uh, and my wife man. and kids. Yeah. There you go. There you go. In that order. In that order. In that order. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Um, so let's talk about it. Yeah. You have done what many of us look forward to when they start the real yeah. estate journey. You have transitioned from a employee to a real estate mogul. What yeah. I want to do here is, you know, by celebrating the end, I actually want to go back to the beginning. Sure. And uh, we're going to actually invite Dion in now, but, uh, let's, let's welcome Dion in. He's coming in right now. Awesome. I was, we were wondering where Dion was. We were about to send out an APB. <laughs> Mr. Dion, we're, we're, we're already <laughs> recording. We're already mid-flight. The, uh, the Lumberjack has announced he's retired. His last day is the 14th. No more mm -hmm. Pink Panther jokes and memes. Uh, so you are all <laughs> caught up. How you doing, buddy? Howdy. I'm doing good. I, I resisted the urge to throw this $3,000 Mac through the window this morning. I've, I've <laughs> about that. Congratulations, Matt. Um, you're in the group chat with Millennial Mike. I'm going to continue to send the meme. It's just directed yes. at him now. Absolutely. Yes, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Somebody, somebody was saying to me, Oh, Dion's going to stop making fun of you. I said, no, no, no. Dion's going to stop making fun of me about this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, still, still very the list is long. The list yeah, is long. Exactly. The list is long and distinguished. I give Dion tons of material. There you go. There you go. Well, Dion, what I want to do in this discussion now that you're here is I actually want to take this concept, which actually I want to shout out VidIQ for giving me the title from employee to real estate mogul. All three of us have used real estate to exit W-2 jobs. Yes. So what I want to do here in this full 50-minute conversation is kind of go back and all of us kind of walk our individual journey to retirement. Because I think there are similar paths, but also very different. And given that Matt is the newest to join this, and in fact, <laughs> technically hasn't done it till the 14th. Technically so. not done yet, yeah. But but we'll give him credit. He's given notice. Uh, so Matt, take us back to the very beginning. When when did you feel like you took that first step? Uh, I was twenty. Yeah, I was young. Uh, I was I was twenty years old. Um, I was living with a friend of mine, <clears throat> you know, in a, renting a room out of his apartment, and uh, and just basically said, you know what, uh, no. And I was working a good job. I worked my way up in a tech company from a telemarketer to a inside sales guy and uh, was getting commissions and then looked at it and, and started investing like all the other people in my office um, and then got blown up by the dot-com bomb. You know, I got absolutely dot-commed, which meant yes. my, my portfolio went from, you know, $30,000 to four. And uh, got absolutely obliterated. And so I looked at it and I was like, okay, I definitely need to do two things. I definitely don't want, I can't do the stock market. That's not going to work for me. I was like, it's too much of an insider's game. If you're in Manhattan and you rubbing elbows with all those same people and you're in the boardrooms, you absolutely 1000% have an advantage, a huge advantage. And I'm not going to bet on human nature doing the right thing. So, uh, so for me, that was, that was kind of that. And then I said, you know what, I'm got to look for a place to live, um, because I didn't want to commute so far anymore. And so I started looking for a place to live and realized that on only my income, 
and only my credit, my credit was good or good enough. And, but my income just wasn't going to work. Like it, I, uh, what I could, what I could afford was even further away than where I was renting. Right. <laughs> so what it came down to was, Hey, how do I, you know, it was trying to solve the problem. How do I get into a place? Um, and how do I do it right now? And that was, I just had to find a roommate. So I did yeah. found a roommate. We agreed on, Hey, if we're living in this area, would you be able to pay a thousand dollars a month? Right. And he's like, yeah, absolutely. And so I was able to find a place. I had the three and a half percent down. That's about what I'd saved. And that's what I did. I bought a place and had him with a signed lease agreement, used that with the bank and got them to uh, sign off on my buying my first place, which was a, a, a house hack. There you go. So Dion, you're, you're, again, this is a journey we've all taken. We've all gotten to quote unquote, the finish line, but your, your beginning is very different. How did your beginning look? And when did you feel like you really took that first step moving forward? Well, we just have to be born with super rich parents. <laughs> like, yes, exactly. if, you, if you're not, you don't have a chance. No. True. Yeah, so, true. so I started at 40. That's when I kind of had that wake up moment of, okay, I need to take charge of my finances. I had let my spouses handle it prior to that. And it didn't work out great. And so I was 40, single parent with three kids. Found out about $89,000 in bad debt in my name. I didn't know existed until the divorce. Got laid off from law enforcement. I kept having my pensions taken away. I tried the Marine Corps. They downsized after Desert Storm. I tried law enforcement. They downsized after 2008. Never really was an investor. I figured, I'm an employee. I'll work at a company until I get a pension. So that didn't happen. I, I finally woke up and thought, I'll create my own pension. And I actually had an epiphany last night. So this might take just a minute, if you'll bear with me. But I was at a real estate meetup and there was a young lady talking about the strategies she's trying out. I I, 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 no, I I have these assets. This is how I'm deploying my cash. And I'm going to do these strategies until I reach freedom. And the mistake was mine. I'm the one that made the mistake. I asked her, I said, okay, I, 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 I like what you're doing. What does freedom look like? So if I asked you guys right now, what does freedom look like? Most people watching this channel would say, a, a cash flow of this amount or a multiplier of what I need to spend. And this is what I'm spending. So my, you know, we'd go through that. And that's not actually what I meant with the question. Cause it was my fault for not being clear. What does freedom look like? And for me, that's no alarm clock, no boss, no schedule. Monday's no different than Saturday, right? The, the freedom is I live every day. I wake up and I go, when I, when I feel like waking up, I'm awake. And when I feel like doing something, I do it since we're in this community, financial freedom is tied to finances. And so when she gave me her answer of, yo, this, this number, this number, I set her up to give me that exact answer. So when I look at Matt and he's retiring now, I also look, my anniversary of retiring is July 5th. Cause that's when I turned in notice. I still worked for two weeks, but I'm still always going to be July 5th. Matt, you're probably going to do whatever day you have the conversation in your head. That's February, when you, you made you the switch, yeah. right? So what does freedom look like? And for me, freedom was, I want enough money coming in to do all of those things. No alarm, no boss, no schedule, no day of week. And wake up when my body, it, it, everyone I talk to says it, it's like I lost 10 years in age. As soon as you can start waking up when you feel like it, instead of when your schedule says you have to. And I don't think as a species, we understand how much stress happens with an alarm clock saying, doesn't matter how you feel yeah. or what's going on in your life this is the time you have to get up. Yeah. So when you think about your first step, was it just that, uh, I mean, what was that first step? You got all this debt, you got the kids to take care of, you're losing your pensions. I mean, so what does that first step look like for Dio? So the, the first step is kind of realizing there's that step zero, mm -hmm. right? I had a couple of examples of people who'd reached financial freedom, a friend with 30 rentals, my brother with 10 paid off rentals. So I thought it was possible. And I thought, okay, so if I had some rentals, I'd make my own pension. I'd be uh, free, right? So if I could set up my, what does freedom look like for me? But I didn't have the resources or the skill set or the equity. And I didn't even have the habits to have a savings, right? So step zero for me was how do I increase my income, right? Which was overtime, the side hustle, playing online games and selling things. How do I avoid life creep? So every time I could increase income, I didn't spend it, I would start saving, right? As much 
uh, humor as I use every time Dave Ramsey comes up, his first couple of steps made a lot of sense. I had never really had an, a, an emergency account. I never figured out what I could save. And so I, I got to that. And then I went and had a conversation with a lender and basically found out, yeah, you really do need rich parents. Mm. I had a bad debt to income ratio and a low salary. I was making $17 an hour teaching at a CDL school. And the, the lender basically said, you can't buy rentals. I mean, and, and luckily they said, I mean, unless you somehow had like something like rental income on your tax returns for a couple of years. And I thought, well, I'll move into an apartment and rent my house out. So that was the first real move. Yeah. In a, and a financial decision was we're, we have this hedonic treadmill. Whatever level of comfort in life I have reached, I can't step back. People won't move from a house to an apartment or a stick built home to a mobile home or whatever the thing is that you have now, you can't give up the nice new car. I had at one point, uh, like a three-year-old expedition. It was an Eddie Bauer version. Got rid of that, got two old Jeeps, right? So I went to 15-year-old vehicles, moved from the house into the apartment and thought, okay, I'm gonna do this for two years. And now, so it was a two-year commitment to just to get two years in the new field to be bankable. That was what the lender also said. And two years of saving and two years of rental income on tax returns. And really it was just overtime and side hustle for those two years. Yeah. I, 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 you know, a lot of people think the beginning comes when you like you buy something. And, and I think for a lot of us, it is that step zero, right? Your step zero was two years in the making, which is awesome. So my story is kind of a, a blend between both of these, right? I got blown out in the dot-com bubble, unfortunately. My number's bigger, right? It went from 200 grand to, to 40. And I really consider my first step to the journey was actually, he's gotten loopy here recently, but reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad's, uh, mm. reading that book. And I, I read it cover to cover five or six times, right? Mm. People know my story. I hate to fly. The only way I can fly is to read. I can get lost in the book. And for whatever reason, it doesn't scare me as much. But reading that book, flipped on a light switch that I didn't know was there. I, nobody in my family, right? None of my family are college graduates. They're all high school or not, right? I was the first person, aunts, uncles, cousins, like the entire family tree to get a college education, uh, get a four-year degree and then get a, a master's degree. I, I was, I was quote unquote, that guy in the family tree. And I had no idea. I had no idea about rental properties. Right. When you hear when I read about Kim and Robert talking about a condo in Hawaii and a condo in Portland or wherever she was buying, it was like it was like they were speaking a foreign language. I mean, I didn't know what that was. So I went on a, a consumption journey, which would probably turn into 50 or 100 different books. A lot of my books, unfortunately, said invest in your backyard. So, again, my first year was certainly the last six months were a waste because I was just too, I don't know, stubborn to to think the books were wrong, right? Because all the books said, invest in your backyard, invest in your backyard. And I happen to live in the Silicon Valley, which is great for income, but horrible for cash flow. And it wasn't until my wife, Olivia, set us down at the year anniversary market, said, this isn't working. I'm not doing this anymore. That... We finally looked up and, and, you know, live where you want, invest where the numbers make sense. So, you know, my journey wasn't two years in the making because we still had that 40 grand that was sitting there ready to deploy. I wish it was 200. It wasn't. Um, but yeah, I, I wasted, you know, I learned the skill. I learned all the math, the buy box, all of that was, was worth it. But damn, I sh if I could have got started six months earlier, um, you know, I would have just been further along. Uh, so that's kind of the beginning for me. Uh, I want to go to kind of the next step in, in our journeys. You All three of us say in different ways that the first three to five years suck. They're hard. It's where mistakes happen. It's where lessons are learned. It's where I really think real estate investing tries to kick you out and right test your mettle, if you will. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So why don't we go back and remind folks about the, the well-earned scars. Some of them would have been fatal. To other people yeah. Yeah. they weren't fatal to us uh, all of us have those stories so matt why don't you uh why don't you revisit some of those painful scars and uh yeah go for it sure maybe i can get myself a paper cut and pour some lemon juice in it too oh, um yeah because they i mean it was it was horrible you know my first five years 
Um, so I bought the condo, uh, had the roommate, um, and was doing that whole thing. And then, um, no mention of a special assessment and within 18 months of living there. Now they're talking about a special assessment and my share is seven D seven zero seventy thousand dollars and i'm like i'm not i'm not like the rest of the building i'm not in my 40s and 50s and have 70 g's to write a check nor do i have the income or the credit to be given a seventy thousand dollar loan right so my only option is i gotta freaking find a way to sell and so i had to i had to sell out of that property I moved an hour away. I bought a single family house, also house hack, um, a different roommate uh, situation. Um, and then was like, Hey, I kind of like this. I think I'm going to, you know, actually start investing in properties. I picked the wrong market. Absolutely the wrong market. I bought two right away of course at, you did. In, in the wrong market yeah. um, with okay numbers with okay numbers. And then within 12 months, 18 months of owning that. So still in the first three to five years, <clears throat> within 12, 12 to 18 months of owning that I get hit with a lead order. Oh, and so I have to pay to move everybody there out and they get told by the state, Hey, if you stop paying rent, he can't evict you. That helps. Yep. Oh, that was awesome. And, but I still had to pay to put them somewhere. So I'm paying my mortgage yeah. and paying to put them somewhere. That's why I did a whole course on this specifically. We're going to release it in like next six to eight weeks. But I did a course specifically about this because I almost went bankrupt three times. And it was all right around the timing of that lead order because the state's like, well, you have to use one of our five designated contractors. Right. And they're sitting there in the, in the room and it's like, Oh, Hey, Jimmy. Oh, how's it going, Johnny? And I'm like, I'm getting talked. I am yeah. getting talked. And sure enough, they were within a thousand dollars of each other. Well, wonders never cease. I never would have guessed that their bids at 45 grand would have been within a thousand bucks of each other. And they pick all the junkiest product and they're like, okay, we'll be in and out of here in probably 90 days. And I'm like, I'm going to work every single day. Just to days. pay to keep everybody where they need to go. That's what they said. It took 11 months. Oh. It took 11 months wow. to, for them to finish. It's, an, it's absolutely criminal. And that's why I did the course is because I want to save people. There are a bunch of things that you can do to help speed that process up and to also put yourself in a better position to get through it. And so- <laughs> That was my first five years. So when everyone tells me how easy it was, I guess I just didn't have the, the, the brains to experience that because my five, my first five years, $70,000 special assessment, having to move an hour away, getting hit with a lead order and almost going bankrupt three times because oh, I've done the math and you can't get $21,000 of bills paid on $6,000 worth of take-home income. No, that's hard to do. And it's all, uh, yeah. So Dion, again, we all have these pain now. Some might admit embarrassing stories, but they are part of that first three to five years. I know you have a couple of doozies right right to go. So what, uh, tell us about some of the, the scars that you have and, and you, uh, you share. So you said uh, the first few years are pretty hard and they don't, they don't, they wouldn't break someone like us, but they can, they can be a, you know, they can stop someone in their tracks. It did break me. Yeah. I tried to quit. I tried to give the house away. Right. That's how bad it was. I thought, okay, I tried this out. I don't have the skill set for it. And I made all of the mistakes that a lot of investors make when we're starting out. I figured I'm going to replace my income, right? Cause that's the first thing instead of replace what I'm spending, I'm replacing my income by renting out a house without educating myself, right? Right. To become a Marine, it's a <clears throat> 13 week boot camp. To get into law enforcement, it was a six month academy. If you, you know, for you to work in your field, you got your degree, right? There's like all of this time commitment we do to, to do anything major in our life. And I'm gonna make this major change and just do it, I'll wing it. So I rented to a friend because who can trust a stranger? I did it with a 
handshake because who needs a lease if it's a friend? I figured I'm a single parent. Life is stressful and hard sometimes. He's a single parent. So when the rent was late, I let it slip. And then late became never. Yeah. When I actually went to the house to have a face to, no, we actually worked together, but we didn't talk about this at work. So I see the guy every day, but I go to the house to have an off work conversation. How come you're not paying the rent? He didn't live there. <laughs> he had moved out and rented the house to someone else was collecting rent and they had built half a wall torn it was just the place was had thousands of dollars worth of damage i wasn't getting rent the person living there said no i've, I've paid him the rent i'm not giving you any and then they didn't pay me stayed there a couple more months and then finally moved out so that first year of, of having a rental i lost about six grand right just like cash flow wise and then i had the repairs of the house when they finally did move out but what saved me and and this is where we say we don't most of us don't like to hear how lucky we are but i had a bit of luck involved the 2008 housing crash had happened and my house was underwater. I owed 138,000 houses as nice as it without all the damage. We're going for 100,000. And so I, I couldn't even do subject to. I couldn't do owner financing. I couldn't do anything. I was just stuck with it. And so I sat down and thought, so you said, you know, Robert Kiyosaki's gotten a little bit off the rails now with its doom and gloom and buy gold and ammunition, right? I agree. <laughs> I had the Rich Dad Poor Dad book for years never opened like five years never opened it i used to talk about it like i had i understand rich dad and poor dad totally makes sense didn't know what i was talking about and then you found retire young retire rich you actually named yes. your first llc after that that was the book that was in how to more than mm -hmm. a thing what happened to me was uh the cash flow quadrant book ah i love that so i listened too, yeah. to that before rich dad poor dad and then went back and i listened to it i recommend people actually read or listen to it but when i realized cash flow quadrant that and I lumped this all together with the Fed the government and the IRS to me that's just one big enemy entity right they don't like employees yes they punish employees they say if you make money we're going to tax it ah if you make more money we're going to tax it more and they don't like self-employed and um, I, I was 16 so 1986 they changed the tax code to where it impacted 87 and we had the big crash where uh Doctors, lawyers, plumbers, electricians, the the sole entrepreneur, all of a sudden had the new tax code of I'm paying employer and employee taxes, and it caused a, a ripple effect of economic stuff. Yep. They're paying around 60% in taxes. And then it's kind of like they like businesses, but they still tax them. They just tax them less, right? The business capital gains is around 20%. And when I looked at that book and it said the investor is going to pay zero in taxes, can carry forward a loss even when you make a profit. I sat there and, and and that was when I was had that bad year and I tried to quit and I, I probably would have because I decided I'm probably not going back into law enforcement bankruptcy might actually be an option now I can I could just walk away from this house have the, at least you know seven years bad credit whatever happens to that but that book the cash flow quadrant kind of opened my mind again to if I can hold on to this and I can get the income to come from this stream not only do I create my own pension but I have the, the evil entity supporting me going, here's 30 year fixed rate debt loan options. Here's first time home buy. Here's owner occupied lending. Here's the tax benefits. And, and then I didn't at the time understand depreciation until you get it and I explain to you now it's your building goes up in value, but you get to tell your government it's a year older. So you get to take a loss against your income, even though you didn't have a loss. And if you want a loan, they're, they're so pro investing. We'll take that depreciation out to make you look bankable. Like mm -hmm. all of that kind of came together after that bad year. And if I, if I hadn't been upside down in the house, I would have walked away from it. I would have sold, I would have subject to, I'd still be working. I'd have another 15 years probably ahead of me of employment. Um, yeah. No, thanks. Yeah. It's funny. You, you brought that up the way you did. I, my story is kind of the same. So we, again, waste a year. We, we finally have a sit down. Olivia's just, you know, smarter than I am just intuitively and number. It's just, it's amazing. So she says, go find a new market. We do. We find Fresno, California. We get all excited. We do everything right. Um, and we still lose, right? The story's in the book, but the short story is our first tenant never paid a second month's rent. They get divorced. 
uh, you're, I'm in California, so it's three months to get them out, a thousand bucks, and then there's fifteen thousand dollars of damages waiting for me on the other side. And to your point, Dion, I was ready to quit. I had quit before I walked in that house. I had really quit, quit when I saw the damages and I saw the wine bottles in the drywall. I mean, I still see it in my head. And it was Olivia that came out and said, you know, basically, did we do anything wrong? And we had it. We had credit checks. We had references. We, we had in, we, just, just no box for you going to get divorced and turn into an alcoholic dick. It was not on the rental app. And um, she said, okay, let's try it one more time. Uh, so again, shout out to her. The story of Norris Drive goes on to be a, a home run after that, but who knew? Uh, you know, again, I do a cash out refi because again, my money's gone and I take out too much and I become, becomes an alligator and I'm, I'm working like four hours a week to pay for someone else to live in a house. That's freaking stupid. I hate negative cash flow, i.e. alligators. Um, you know, I spent three or four years buried in my computer in Excel. I gave my, my, it was an excuse. It was absolutely an excuse. Even back in 2004, five and six, I should have been networking. You know, we don't have, we didn't have zoom or, you know, you know, meetups online, but I should have been networking. My network of folks was still very much tech oriented Silicon Valley. And I should have grown a real estate network in my chosen area. My circle of friends should have been vastly different once I decided to become a landlord in Fresno, California. Some of my best friends now are that, right? One of, one of the boys uh, that hopefully you guys will get to meet, I don't know if he's coming out or not, Brad, um, he and I are great friends, right? We used to talk a lot more, but you know now it's texting and whatnot. And I should have done that earlier. My portfolio would have been better and bigger if I got out of my head. I thought the answer was Excel. Why? Because that's where I was comfortable. I wasn't comfortable meeting new people and doing this, that. And I used the time excuse. And oh, by the way, you know, you're in South America and then Europe and then Australia. I was all over this planet. It's just an excuse. I should have networked. Hmm. And uh, yeah, the first, the first, I mean, I had the eviction story, negative cash flow. The first five years suck, three to five years, all kinds of mistakes. The cash flow, the cash flow looked great on Excel. In reality, it wasn't because this, this broke. The other thing I did, I don't know if you guys did this, but I tried to band aid everything. It's like, oh, I don't have 800 bucks for a new water heater. Let's, let's just try to repair it and see if it can get me to the other side. And, you know, all of those things. So, um, yeah, first five years, three to three to five years suck. So now let's get back to the journey and talk about where you started to see just that inkling of fruit, right? In every journey, right? It starts as a drip. And then at some point it becomes a stream and you're like, Oh, this feels good. Right. Matt, when was that first time you looked up and you're like, Oh, that's, that, that's, that feels better. When was that? Um, you know, income as you get older can usually continues to go up certainly in tech. Right. Yeah. And so what, what I was recognizing was I wanted to live in a better area, live in a nicer place. And then the only way that I was going to be able to do that was by continuing to house hack. Um, but after I kind of got out of the first, you know, five or six years of investing, then I got married. And so then it was, I was looking for a place for myself and for my wife. And so, you know, it was like, I, I wasn't gonna have anybody live with us. I wanted us to have, you know, our, our own time to do our own stuff. Um, but I was looking at it and saying, Hey, you know what? Probably the best bet is just like maybe a duplex. I can get the same type of debt that I get on a single family home. Um, I can still buy that with three and a half percent down. Um, I can still, uh, you know, rent out the other side. And so that's, and so when we were looking to get back into the area where we wanted to live, single family homes were not an option for us. We couldn't buy a single family home. And so it was, you know what, let's just buy it. We'll buy a duplex. And what was interesting was a single family home might cost, you know, at that time, maybe two and a quarter to two fifty. You could get a duplex for two and a quarter to two fifty. And you could get basically the same bedroom count. A three right. bedroom, one bath or one and a half bath ranch was two and a quarter to 250. A two, three bedrooms with one bath or one and a quarter baths each was two quarter to 350. So it was really a value play to say, I looked at single families in the market. They didn't cash flow. 
I looked at duplexes in the market. They did cash flow and they cash flowed really well. And I was like, why are people not looking at this? And it's because there was rarely ever any inventory. You know, there were, might've been in my market, there might've been four to six, maybe eight of them on the market at any given time. So you really had to pick your poison and I couldn't afford one done. So I bought one with a, with a, a 203K, you know, bought one of those with a construction loan. Um, and when I bought it with that and I did a streamline, so it was only 35,000 bucks. And so I was living the budget tight, but we moved in. I mean, we shouldn't have been living there. Um, I wouldn't do that, but we didn't have a shower. And, you know, so we had to like go to friends' houses that were like a few blocks away to take a shower. I uh, didn't have a washer dryer. And so my wife and I lived really frugally for a long time, but that was the way we could get back in the market. We redid that property. And when we first rented it out, one side rented out for, uh, for, uh, 1600 bucks and my mortgage and everything all in was, uh, like 17 and change. Hmm. So I was living there for a hundred bucks a month. And that was at the time <clears throat> when I was going through the lead order right? or it was, or, and still experiencing that financial pain and really at 150 bucks a month plus utilities, I was really stretching my budget. You know, that was all I could afford. And so thankfully, yeah, house hacking absolutely saved my life. And then it was, and it's then funny it, I, bring, it's, it's funny you bring that up. Sorry to interrupt, but no, go ahead. Uh, Anna Kelly says the same thing, right? Yeah. If she wasn't house hacking that fourplex with two kids upstairs yeah. in Pennsylvania. Yep. Uh, she would have been financially bankrupt. Yeah, so absolutely. And you know, it was, and that, at that point we're going through the great recession and it took us 90 days. Like that deal fell apart. That deal fell apart like three times. Um, you know, the bank changed their mind. It was Wells Fargo. That bank was awful to work with, in my opinion. Um, and so it was really time. difficult at that time. Yep, absolutely. And everything and understanding everything that they're going through, you know, with with yeah. ninja loans and, and uh, robo signers and all yeah. this other stuff. And so it was super, super, super stressful. Um, and yeah, thankfully we were able to make that work. And then after we got in, got it stabilized, you know, we're there for about a year and a half. And then we got the model of, okay, I was looking for the next one and I found the next one and we did another rehab on that one and we moved into that one. And so I did nine house hacks over a 13 year period. And that's how I started building the empire. Yeah. I, lo I love that story. Again, it's, it's so consistent with all the other, you know, real estate moguls. It, it takes time. There are mistakes, but once you find the recipe, sure. you just kind of rinse and repeat. That's amazing. All right, Dion, when did you first feel like, Oh, this, this kind of feels good. So millennial Mike and I talk about this often. The first time that we felt affluent was when we go to a restaurant and we order a soda with yeah. like, that's the, I have enough money to do that. And it's not going to bankrupt me. That's a weird feeling. It's still. So every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific, I do a live stream where I, I go about two hours, answer all the questions that comes in. But the, the beginning, the intro is 10 to 20 minutes to give people a chance to get their questions in. And I cover a topic. Today's topic this afternoon, when we're recording this, is what does it feel like to collect rents? Hmm. Okay. And so there's this chronology to when you're buying a property you're thinking how long might it be empty and I have to pay the mortgage, right? It got, uh, REI Stoners just bought a duplex uh, three, four months ago, a couple of months of rehab where they were doing a lot of the work themselves. They had handymen there and they were going through and they're putting all the sweat equity into it. And then they're advertising that a little trouble. They have really high criteria for renters kind of where I do. And uh, so they were really picky had over a month, month and a half, maybe even longer to find a tenant to get them moved in there. So they had that stress of they're paying the mortgage on this house hack duplex without the rent coming in that they had planned on. And then you get that first check. They got a tenant in, you get a cashier's check, right? You don't want something that the scammer can give you a check, go to the, they have 14 days to go to their bank and say, give me the funds back. But the cashier's check of deposit, pet fee, rent for the first month they prorated because i think they moved on like the 19th of january so you get this decent check and that hits the bank account so the first time you collect rents it's exciting yeah and so 
I'm not sure how you guys feel with the size of your portfolio, but reaching financial freedom, having 16 units rented out currently, um, that doesn't go away. Right? Every beginning of the month, my bank account plays vertical pong of rent, rent, mortgage, rent, 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 mortgage, mortgage, rent, mortgage, right? It just does this. And I'm, I enjoy that period of the month watching that happen because we're not selling our lives currently one hour at a time to have that happen. So here's where the fear shifts. And you had this experience. Your tenant didn't pay the second month's rent. So REI Stoners right now has a tenant in place. They did credit check. They did background check. They checked for evictions. They did everything right. They have the tenant in place. <laughs> Are they going to pay March 1st rent? Right. That That's the new fear. Yep. And so it it's the hardest when you have a rental. Mm-hmm. It's hard when you have a couple of rentals. Once you have the 10 plus 16 different units spread out across, I am in two different counties, two or three could start playing games, right? And I still don't have to go back to work. I might have to go through an eviction. I have the reserves for that. I have the cash flow for it. So the first time I really felt this is having an impact, like the biggest, like not just, oh, this feels good, but like life-changing event. All of my expenses could be covered from rental income with seven units. So I had four properties, three duplexes and a single family house. And the cash flow was enough to cover my expenses, which meant 100% of my W2 income was saved. Mm-hmm. The second you stop having to use your, your work, and that just becomes investing funds, right? I was talking with Shelly last night at the local meetup, and she's kind of financially free. She's right on the cusp, but she's still working. And she says, it's crazy. I go to work and I get all this money and I don't need it. So I feel like I'm investing really fast. And, and that's exactly how it feels. It was that moment, that tipping point. And it didn't take 30 or 50 units. It took seven. Yeah. For me, I kind of had two aha moments right around the same time. So, you know, we get up to, we start in 02. We get to eight houses, you know, I think seven houses in a duplex. And we go to a Bruce, Bruce Norris event and he basically says, you're an idiot. Get out. Crash is coming specifically to California, right? He called it the California crash. Uh, he, he talked about vocabulary. I didn't know, um, which was affordability, which now I anchor on. And I did some research. He was right. And we sold everything as fast as we could. We did 1031 exchanges, went from eight to 80 units. We still didn't, I still didn't have that moment with 80 units because we were buying rough properties that needed more work and all of that. But if you fast forward a couple of years, now the crash is picking up steam, right? That first house I sold for 263 ultimately retrades at 75 grand. So if you want to know the scale of pain, there you go. It's nasty. Uh, But during that journey, we started documenting on a website that no longer exists called wealthbuildingpro.com. What ultimately became known as Burr, right? We were buying junk, fixing it up, putting a tenant in, refining out. We were refining out with, with private money. So the first thing that kind of hit me was uh, when I had friends of mine loan me millions of dollars. Because at the time, we were recycling the same, I don't know, call it 50 grand, right? It would go in, three months later, it would come out. And it would go in, and it would come out, right? We were just constantly playing with the same 50 grand. But then we started getting friends lending us 100, 200, $300,000, and we just went on a buying binge. So that was eye-opening, that you could, you could learn a skill, you could share what you're doing, get documented evidence. Alex Ramosi talks about it, you know, a stack of undeniable truths. We had them, right? I had stories. I remember I had the bubblegum house. I had them all cute nicknames, right? Bubblegum house and all these other things. And... Um, that was eye-opening. It was like, oh my God. So I can like have none of my own money in this and still have a bunch of cash flow come out once my team gets done. I'm like, damn, this feels good. And then second, I remember a time, probably a year later, when I was, I don't know, I was in a foreign country. I think I was somewhere in Europe and I called Olivia, which every month I would call her and say, okay, how much money do we have to move to this real estate account or one of the real estate accounts? And she's like, no, we're good. I'm like, what do you mean we're good? She's like, I mean, it had become such a routine that it was like, okay, how much of this time? And she's like, no, we're good. 
And I'm like, well, we bought A, B, and C last month. What do you mean we're good? She's like, no, the cash flow from all the others covers it. And I was like, I remember, I remember hanging up going, oh, my God, it finally happened. This thing that I've been now chasing for a decade, it's finally freaking here. It's feeding itself, right? Because I knew at that point, if we stopped aggressively buying junk, that there'd be tens of thousands of dollars left over. And to your point, Dion, we don't need that much to live, right? We 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 have a, a a spending number at that time which was lower because we just we didn't enjoy life. We didn't we didn't we we only spent on needs, not wants. And I remember hanging up going, I mean, because again, it was slow, it was painful, and you know, we were moving money from here to there, and it always felt like we were doing the right thing, but I didn't know. I didn't know it would work. And that one phone call was um, was so awesome. I can still remember the feeling hanging up going, um, finally. That was pretty, pretty amazing. So, um, all right. So let's get to the end of the story. So we've talked about how we started. We've talked about the first five years. We've talked about that moment. It got good. Now let's talk about retirement. And uh, we're going to go, we're going to let Matt go last because he is most recent, but we'll go to Dion first. Dion, talk about that uh, when it clicked for you, when you know you, when you knew you were going to make it. And uh, let's talk about that. I invested for about a decade and said over and over and many times in videos that we made in the last few years, I would say, I don't like the fire movement because I like the financial independence. I don't know about retiring early. I'm probably a guy that's not going to retire late. I loved my yeah. job. I yeah. had fooled myself into thinking I love my job, didn't realize the mountain of stress that came with having it. And I did a video explaining cash flow one time. And this was about two months before I retired. And I did a whiteboard and it was like I had just finished working on a Sunday and it was about seven o'clock at night. So I'd worked Sunday, seven o'clock at night. And I think oh, I'm going to do a live stream for YouTube because I'm doing this fun thing on the side. And I put the math up there and I broke it down. This is what an average family makes. It was like seventy-eight dollars or $79,000 a year. And then this is what I'm making. And I broke mine down. If I worked 24 hours a day in, in real estate, I'm making about 19 bucks an hour. And if I worked 40 hours a week, I'm making about 83 bucks an hour. And then I sat down at the end of that after doing the live stream and I looked at the whiteboard. And I was trying to think, okay, how many times in my life have I ever had a job where I made 80 bucks an hour? I was at law enforcement, Marine Corps, truck driver, 20 to 30 dollars an hour and for most of those jobs was what i would call what i made and i thought and this all happens without me having to get out of bed <laughs> and it hit the that was when i kind of realized the four-time multiplier of what i actually spend on my life i felt silly going to work and and then the actual the catalyst to retiring was i spent my 40s growing a company for someone else I thought when I'm 70, <clears throat> do I want to remember my 50s the same? Yeah. Instead of I'll retire, I retired at 52. Now I'll spend my 50s probably not remembering what I did because I just had fun. I just did whatever it felt like in the moment. And I had heard your story of your 46 years, six months, 14 days old. You're like, I walk into the office. I'm going to work for another five years. 45 minutes later, I've got a package on the desk. I'm calling Olivia on the way home. I've retired because you had, they, they said, you said, I don't want to do this. You said, you're going to do this. You had to say, no, I'm not. Yeah. I had the opposite. I had probably one of the best days. Company's doing great. Everything's lined up. I had a state agency fighting us for three months. I had meetings with an attorney to figure out how to psychologically come together to present our case at the end of this meeting, I had that agency that was attacking our company turned around to like fighting for us. Like I, the, the culmination of 10 years of skill of running that company made that happen. And we were on a Zoom, the state agency, our campus directors, the company owners and me. And I go through and at the end, they're like, absolutely. We sign off on it. Everything's resolved. Everyone's leaving the meeting and I go and I called them by name. I said, hey, can can you guys hang out a second? And so then we went from this public meeting Zoom call to me and the owners on Zoom in the same meeting. And I said, 
it's been great. I'm retiring. Top of the game, best day, no hard feelings, no regrets. Didn't want to leave with a bad taste in the mouth. Uh, so thanks for sharing your story because it made me realize that's how I wanted to do it. Yeah, and just real quick, again, I I highly recommend you do it Dion's way. My way was uh, it could have it could have gone bad. So I, it, earlier I talked about that moment where I knew if we stopped buying, it would be tens of thousands of dollars, and that was more than enough. What I don't think I've ever shared is uh, I was about 40 when that happened. So we kept buying and growing the portfolio for another five years. Why? <clears throat> I love my job. I was highly paid. I was I was one of those guys that had a gift to turn zero into 100 million, three different products. And I was paid accordingly. And my ego was extremely wrapped up in my job. And as Dion kindly highlighted, we finished the calendar year January 31st. That's where my company ended Q4. I was going to the office February 2nd or 3rd after the weekend, ready for the next year's journey. And, um, you know, long story short, I was given a boss, given a territory, given a product, and given a number that I didn't want. And I remember standing up. I hadn't even sat down in the meeting and basically had said, um, I, you know, I told you I didn't want this. And uh, basically, they said, you know, basically take it or leave it. We love you. Basically, they were playing my ego. We love what you do. Only you're the only guy that could do this. This product is blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. And um, I just had a flash. It was like, nope, nope, didn't plan it. Wasn't on the radar. Did it, it was totally just a flash. And again, I want to be clear. Um, my boss hated me as much as I hated him. Right. So this wasn't, you know, it was a mutual hate. And, um, you know, I could have chosen to, to battle it out. Not, I don't know how that would have ended. I could have ended up being gone anyway. Uh, but even if I would have won, there would have been a, a target on my back that they would have looked for any reason to get rid of me. It would have, it would just would have, it would, it was time to go. And, um, yeah, I left and, what I would tell you to not do is don't do that because you you have to have something that fires you up. Otherwise, at 45, I was getting depressed and I had never, depression is a killer. I was circling the drain. It was bad. And um, yeah, so definitely, definitely leave with a plan in mind. That's why I'm telling a lot of people to start now so you can build and learn and find your voice and all of that. But um, yeah, I remember the only reason I did is because Five years earlier, I knew I knew five years earlier we could do it. And we had grown, I don't know, 30% since then. So it was it was a no-brainer at that point. All right, Matthew. Yes. You've just given notice. Yeah. Tell tell us about it. Tell us, tell us about when you knew that was it was the right time. I mean, they were shocked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh it seemed uh, kind of a lot the same as you, which was, you know. I didn't, uh, in our lives, Mike, it was numbers all the time. Right. And right. so, you know, Dion and running the school, um, but I never needed to write it down. It's always up here. And so years ago it was, <clears throat> I don't think I need to work anymore. Like I can kind of do what I want. Like I, you know, I have other parts of income and I, and I don't, I, and we never took any money out of the housing business ever. Yeah. Neither, we never neither. took any money out of the business. It was always just there. And so I was just like, you know, I could just stop growing, I suppose, you know? And so, and then it got to a point where I was like, I don't even have to stop growing. I can still buy stuff and, and not grow uh, or still buy stuff and grow and still be able to, to get to retire. But I was the same boat that you guys were like my job, love the people that I worked with you know, it was a smaller company, not a small company, but a smaller company. And so being an executive, I knew everybody, everybody. And I knew everybody on a first name basis. And so it was tough. That was the toughest thing was it's those relationships that kind of keep you around. Um, but then, you know, over winter break, it was, you know, I love spending time with my kids and the antics during the day and not having to, you know, really trying to get, I tried to get good at vacationing and I couldn't do it. I couldn't shut off. I, I still would think about work and having to, Oh, did this person get this? And did this client get this? And do I have to do this? And 
And so I talked about it with uh, Mrs. Lumberjack. I talked about it with Ashley and she was just like, you know, you've worked, you've killed yourself, you know, for 26 years. She yeah. like 10 years before we got married, you were doing this. And she's like, if you want to leave, leave. And then I just thought about it and I was like, you know what? In for, in for a penny, in for a pound. And you know that when you jump onto one of those products, you're going to be there for three years. You got it's yeah. three years to get from zero to wherever or small to getting big. Yeah. I've done it three or four times before. Um, and I looked at it and I said, it's either now or three years from now. And I know what it takes to get there. It's 70, 80 hours a week. Yeah. It's all of the things that you need to do to get it there. Been there, done that, got a couple of the t-shirts and it just was, you know what? I get to spend time with my kids. I have a 14 week old. I have a two and a half year old. I have a four year old and I've got a six year old. So I get to spend time with them before school becomes a full-time thing for them. I get to be a part of their lives every single day. I get to do drop-offs and I get to do pickups. I get to do, you know, hockey. I get to do all of these things. And the only concern that I have is if I get hungry in the process. Um, so wait, wait until uh, the naps come in. Naps are, amazing. oh man, a lot. Well, that's <laughs> the thing is, I mean, thankfully, sadly, my older two don't take naps anymore, uh, uh, but the other two, like we can just nap in my bed. My bed's way more comfortable. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, be, 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 be a two and a half year old sleeping on a sleep number. You there know, you what's my number, dad? I don't know. Um, but, <laughs> well, but that's where, but that's exactly, but that's where it will get to. So, you know, just, it's just like anything, you know, you, I've put 26 years worth of work into it. I've been with the same company for 17 years. It's all the relationships. It was hard to say goodbye. Um, I told them, I said, I'll still put teams on my phone so we can talk every once in a while. Um, and it, it, you know, the people that became friends in that process will still hang out. We'll still hang out outside of work. Um, but the freedom, yeah, <laughs> but the, you won't, no, they, yeah. they won't No, It won't happen. It'll no, be, I mean, it'll be interesting. I'll, I'll, I'm waiting to see, I'm, I, you know, so I, I did have a, a, a Dion consultation, um, you know, last, uh, last week, uh, this weekend, right after I did it uh, and kind of were, was working through it. And, and, uh, and yeah, I think that I'm, I'm immensely blessed. I got to do something that I really love to do for 26 years. I got to do with a bunch of people that I liked. Um, some people that I didn't, I won't lie. Some people I just would just as soon throat punch. Um, yeah. but I got out on the other side where now I get to, I built a legacy for my kids. Um, I get to spend a ton of time with them and make sure that they become what they're supposed to be, whatever that is, you know, business people or, or farmers or ballet dancers, whatever they decide that they want to be. And so it's my job as a dad to be able to put them in a position where they can pick a lane and enjoy it and grow in it, become elite at it and make impact to others. So uh, yeah, I'm immensely grateful for the career that I had and for the opportunity that I had. And, and, uh, and thankfully I was, you know, thankfully I lost all my money in the stock market. Yeah, exactly. Go back to the beginning ago. of the video yeah. guys. I love this story. Again, shout out VidIQ from employee to real estate mogul. We have just given you three different journeys with very similar touch points. Everybody goes on this journey, different twists and turns, different Rocky roads. But I do think they're all rather similar. Dion, where can people find you? Right here on YouTube, Dion Talk Financial Freedom, where you can and probably not hear the drywall guys starting to put on the orange peel downstairs. <laughs> That's louder. There, there you go. Matt, where can they find you? Lumberjack Landlord on YouTube and Instagram. And I got a sinking sensation. You're going to see more content out of me. <laughs> all right, guys. Take care. Have an amazing day. Thanks for this great conversation. Thanks, Mike. Ciao.